Praise the Lord. Welcome to the official GVPC podcast. My name is Pastor Chris Keats. I am the pastor of Gila Valley Pentecostal Church in Safford, Arizona. We're so glad to have you here listening to this podcast. We pray that it richly blesses you. And God bless you. some from Asher and Manasseh or divers from of Asher and Manasseh and Zebulun humbled themselves and came to Jerusalem. Also in Judah, the hand of God was to give them one heart to do the commandment of the king and of the princes by the word of the Lord. And there assembled at Jerusalem much people to keep the feast of unleavened bread in the second month a very great congregation. And then in the 18th verse, it says, For a multitude of people, even many of Ephraim and Manasseh, Issachar and Zebulun, had not cleansed themselves, yet did they eat the Passover otherwise than it was written. But Hezekiah prayed for them, saying, The good Lord pardon." Everyone that prepareth. There's a there is a verse separation there. And like we've said before, these verses were not originally in the original, or they were not in the original text. So we could read this as a separation, but it's not. But Hezekiah prayed for them, saying, The good Lord pardon everyone that prepareth his heart to seek God the Lord God of his fathers, though he be not cleansed according to the purification of the sanctuary. I'm going to preach humble and prepared. Let's pray. In the name of Jesus, we love you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for all that you have done today. I thank you, Lord, for this good church, these wonderful people. I thank you, Lord, that I am here. Preach your word. And I have the opportunity to minister, dear Lord. I pray you will help me, Jesus, and anoint, I pray, in Jesus' name, amen. And you may be seated. <clears throat> I'm going to give a quick summary. I have found myself preaching a little differently in the last few years than, than I used to. Last week was more of a textual um, or topical subject. And I'm actually going to segue off a little bit of what I preached last week. Last week, we took out the trash. Amen. It's time to take out the trash. I'm going to move on from there and add a little bit to that. But i am <clears throat> got a totally different message. But there are some things I'm going to hearken back to. <clears throat> Hezekiah was one of the later kings of Judah. And I'll just give you, I'm going to try to do this without taking very much time. 
If you're not familiar with the history of Israel, you, you know that they came back from Egypt and they settled in the land of Canaan, which is today the land of Israel. It was an area that God had promised them. And they settled in that land and for some several hundred years they they were they were ruled by judges men that were called of God to men that were called of God to judge the people and there were men like Gideon and Jephthah and Samson and 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 others of that nature and so they were ruled by them and at the last there was a man by the name of Samuel who was the the, the last one I would say of the judges he was a prophet, but he was also a judge. Uh, I think he could be considered that. And they came to Samuel and they said, we don't want to be ruled by judges anymore. We want a king like the other nations. And Samuel said, well, you're, you're going to wish you didn't, but here we go. And he, he anointed Saul as king. King went, uh, Saul went south and he went bad. And, and then he anointed David as king. And and David uh, did was was a, a great man who was had faults and failures, but if you study and you read about David, you'll find that maybe the only individual in the Bible that is mentioned more than G David is Jesus Christ. He may even have more mentions than Jesus. He he was a he was the, uh, the a great king, and and the stories are phenomenal. His son, when David died, his son Solomon took over, and Solomon uh, kind of flood things at the at the end there at the end of Solomon's reign and he reigned over all of Israel there was a civil fracture that happened in Israel there was a man by the name of Jeroboam that came and and began to lead the 10 northern tribes of Israel and then there was a man the son of Solomon who was named Rehoboam who led Benjamin and Judah the southern tribes of Israel. So you had a northern kingdom and you had a southern kingdom. <clears throat> I'm going through this very quickly so you understand. There was a succession of kings with both of these kingdoms. Sometimes they got along, sometimes they killed each other. They were, they were family, but they were fighting with each other and then they would get along and then they would fight with each other and all, so on and so forth. And, uh, and so... After a while, but one of the interesting things is the kingdom of Judah had some good kings. There were men like Manasseh. There were men like, uh, for a while, though, there, jo Joash, and then a great king in Josiah. Uh, men like Uzziah, for the most part, there were good kings. And uh, Manasseh was not a good king until later on. He, he was one of the worst kings until he, he repented. And these were, these were good kings, though. And then on the northern kingdom side, they didn't have any, any good kings, none, none at all. There was not a single king on the northern side. One man almost got it. His name was Jehu. He almost did it, but then he fell. And so there was not a good king. So ultimately, God judged the northern kingdom. <clears throat> and about this time where I am reading from, the king of Assyria had come in and taken over the northern kingdom and scattered most of the Israelites from the land of Israel out into all kinds of countries. There was still a lot of them left. There were some remnants that were left there, but, but he had scattered them. The southern kingdom continued for several 
uh, for quite some time until the country of Babylon and Nebuchadnezzar came and destroyed Jerusalem and so on. But at this time, we find a man by the name of Hezekiah. Now, Hezekiah's father's name was Ahaz, and Ahaz was a very, very wicked king. He reigned for 16 years in Judah, and the scripture says that he did not that which was right in the sight of the Lord, like David his father. For he walked in the ways of the kings of Israel and made also molten images to Balaam. Moreover, he burnt incense in the valley of the son of Hinnom and burnt his children in the fire after the abominations of the heathen whom the Lord had cast out before the children of Israel. Now what this is talking about is he worshipped a God named Moloch. And in the valley of Hinnom, which was the dumping ground I talked about yesterday, in the valley, or, or last week, in the valley of Hinnom, they built this, this idol. It was a huge idol. And its hands were out there. And there was a flat area of brass that was there. And they would set a fire beneath that. And it would get red hot. And they would take their babies and take them and put them on that red hot metal and give them to their god Moloch. They would sacrifice... I don't even like to think about a baby screaming in agony. We'll move on because it's a horrible thing. And God judged Israel and, and, and Judah because of that. And he sacrificed also and burnt incense in the high places and on the hills and under every green tree. The Bible uses this description and the translators add a little bit to make it a little bit clearer. And in the time of his distress, in the time of his distress, when Assyria was coming against him, yet in his distress did he trespass yet more against the Lord. Unlike Manasseh, his father, unlike Manasseh, who had repented when, when God came, his wrath came upon him, this one, the Bible says he did trespass yet more against the Lord. And then it says this is that King Ahaz. In other words, this is the one that your daddies and your mamas probably told you about. This is that King Ahaz. Probably Ezra or Nehemiah, I believe it's probably Ezra that wrote this book. And he's telling people after the after the judgment of God against Judah and the, and the time that they spent in captivity in Babylon, he's saying, you remember, this is that Ahaz. When they talk about Ahaz, this is the one that did all of these things. In other words, he was bad, really, really bad. But he had a son, and his son's name was Hezekiah. And there are many that feel that, that for about, I don't know, 10 years or so, 9 years, I don't remember what the exact amount was, that Hezekiah reigned as a co-regent, which means he was kind of co-king, but since his daddy was the big king, he was the little king. So he reigned with his father, and he, he undoubtedly did not have a whole lot of authority to do what he needed to do because his dad did what he wanted to do. But as soon 
as his dad died, things began to change because Hezekiah became the king. And I feel like he looked around him and he saw that whenever his dad sinned, he continued to sin more. And he thought to himself, while he sat there taking care of the mundane things of the kingdom, he thought to himself, I love my daddy. But the moment the old man dies, things are going to change around this house. Amen. We are going to turn our eyes toward God. I'm sick and tired of the filth and the perversity of this kingdom. I can't do much about it right now, but as soon as daddy dies, things are going to change. Now, it's unfortunate sometimes, and I've seen this in churches, and I've seen this in situations where the son's like, as soon as daddy dies, we're going to have a good time and do what we want. But in this case, Hezekiah saw what was wrong, he saw what was right, and he decided to do what was right. There were some folks in the church years ago, and I remember talking to both of them, and both of them had, had never done drugs and never done any of that sort of thing. And they had stayed away from all of that stuff. Uh, but they had not been living for God. They just simply had not done it. Uh, and I asked one of them one day, I said, why did you stay away from drugs? And why did you stay away from all of this? Uh, he said, I've got so many brothers uh, and every single one of them. Uh, one of them was in jail for murder. He was at, at that time on death row. Uh, and, and every single one of them had... And one's in prison now, I think. All of them had been messed up so bad because of drugs. And he said, I looked at that and I said, I will not do that. And, and, and he didn't. He never did. And so Hezekiah looked at this situation and he said, I don't think I'm going to do this. There was another thing about Hezekiah. And that was that undoubtedly Hezekiah had good influence in his life. The scripture says that his mother's name was Abijah, who was the daughter of Zechariah. Now, this was not the prophet, but he was likely the man that was mentioned in Isaiah, the 8th chapter, and the 2nd verse, where it says, And I took unto me faithful witnesses to record. These were the two faithful witnesses, Uriah the priest and Zechariah the son of Jeberachiah. And so Zechariah, the Bible says, was a faithful witness. And somehow or another, Ahaz got a hold of, of Zechariah's daughter and married her, but she must have been, I suspect she was a godly woman. And when Hezekiah was coming up, she said, we love your daddy, but he's not doing right. And whenever you grow up, this is what you need to do. This is what the scripture says. This is how you live. There's also believed that he was a student that Hezekiah was a student of the prophet Isaiah. So he had good influences. Uh, let me say this. Uh, sometimes uh, it is difficult to live uh, for God, especially when you're young uh, and you've got family that's not living for God like they should or you've got situations around you that are not like they should. Uh, but if you will allow influences in your life, uh, godly people uh, who love God uh, and serve God, uh, it can make all of the difference 
parents. Hezekiah was probably around when his daddy did all of that stuff. But he would go home and sit down with Isaiah. And Isaiah might have said, there's not a lot I can do about this. But here's what we can do. You can make a commitment in your life, Hezekiah, that you're going to live for God. And his mama said, I can't stop your daddy from doing what he's doing. But I can tell you this, Hezekiah, you can decide for yourself to live for God. When you stand before God, listen to me, young people. When you stand before God and you stand, the Bible says all will stand before the judgment seat of Christ. When you stand before God, God's not going to look at you and say, well, your mommy and your daddy didn't live for God, so I'm going to give you a pass. Amen. You're going to be judged on what you are and what you did. It's not up to me. It's not up to your mommy and daddy. It's not up to your husband. It's not up to your wife. You're going to be judged for you. So Hezekiah got the idea. And as soon as he became king, he started changing things. We're going to do some different things. Last week we talked about taking out the trash. If you'll remember, I mentioned there were two places where garbage went around Jerusalem. One was the Valley of Hinnom. Valley of Hinnom was right there. If you look at a picture of where the Dome of the Rock is today, which is Mount Zion, and you see the walls in front of them. I might have mentioned this last week. There is an escarpment not far in front of those walls. It drops down into what is called the Valley of Hinnom. And they would take their garbage and dump it in one special place, and that was the dump. City dump right there. On the other side, going up, I believe, the southwest side was the Brook Kidron. I mentioned this last week. The Brook Kidron was a wadi or a, I don't know if I say it, wadi, wadi, whatever. It was a wash, what we would call a wash today. And the rains would come through and it would wash through there. And, and so in this case, and it happened a couple of times, the Bible tells us that Hezekiah began to do a cleanup in the house of God and in Jerusalem. And said unto them, here, this is as or Hezekiah, excuse me, speaking. And said unto them, hear me, ye Levites, sanctify now yourselves. And sanctify the house of the Lord God of your fathers. And carry forth the filthiness out of the holy place. Amen. We are, we're going to get rid of it. And the Levites arose. It says in the 12th verse and some other things. And then in the 15th verse it says, And they gathered their brethren and sanctified themselves. And came according to the commandment of the king by the words of the Lord to cleanse the house of the Lord. And the priest went into the inner part of the house of the Lord to cleanse it and brought out all the uncleanness that they found in the temple of the Lord into the courts of the house of the Lord. And what they did is they went in and they found, you'll find in Ezekiel where the scripture talks, and I believe this may have been under Manasseh, but you'll find in in the scripture when Ezekiel talks about God brought him and he looked into the temple and he saw people
people worshiping the sun. He saw all kinds of vile things and filthy garbage in the house of God. Later on, you find Nehemiah, whenever Sanballat's or Tobiah's nephew or somebody was in the house of God, he jumped on them and he gnashed on them with his teeth and they tore their hair out and he threw them and all their junk out of the house. Nehemiah wasn't messing around. But so this situation, the priests went in and they walked in the house of God and there was all kinds of garbage and junk. Oh God, help us to keep the house clean. Help us to keep the house clean. I'm not just talking about this place. I'm talking about this place. I'm talking about the body of Christ, the church, the church of the Lord Almighty. They went in there and they got this idol and that piece of junk and they gathered it all together and they went out into the court of the temple and they piled all of this garbage and idols and junk. And one place, if I remember correctly, says they broke it up and they took it out to the brook Kidron and they threw it there because they knew that sooner or later it was going to rain really good and the water was going to wash through there and wash that junk downstream into the Dead Sea maybe. So they got it all cleaned out, took out the trash. And then Hezekiah decides to do something else. And they're kind of flying by the seat of their pants here. People hadn't done right in a long time. They knew what to do in Judah, but they hadn't done it for a while. And he realized that the Passover really needed to be celebrated. So the Bible says this, and Hezekiah sent to all Israel and Judah, wrote letters also to Ephraim, to Manasseh, that they should come to the house of the Lord of Jerusalem to keep the Passover unto the Lord God of Israel. And we need to keep the Passover. We haven't done that in a long time. This is, this is a special time. It's when, it's when God delivered the people of Israel. And we, we haven't honored God. We haven't celebrated this. And so he said, we're, we're going to do it. The only problem was, and this is a fascinating thing about this chapter. The whole 30th chapter of 2 Chronicles, I've read it many times, but things begin to jump out at me. Last time, I, or when I when I came, was reading it in my Bible reading, just things begin to come out. One of the things was, was it was a month late. Everything seemed to be going wrong. Everything, it was too late. I'm sure there were people that came and said, King, we're too late. We've already passed the gate. We can't have revival because it's not the time of year. And Hezekiah's like, well, you know what? We just got to do it anyway. Because we need something. I know this isn't the way we usually do it. But I'm hungry for a move of God. I know this isn't the time of year when we usually do it. 
But I gotta see something happen. It's been too long. I can't wait another 11 months for the next Passover. We need a move of God right now. A lot of times, well, well maybe later, later, and I've been guilty of that. We're going through this. It's the holiday season. It's all of this kind of stuff. And we'll just have to wait and do it later. And that's the lazy man's way. And I'm good at that sometimes. But I'm here to tell you right now, Gila Valley Pentecostal Church, the time is now. The place is here. And the God we serve is ready now. He said, we're going to have it. And so he sent out letters, and this is what's, what is fascinating. One of the most interesting things about this story is the fact that he was the king of Judah. The two tribes, the southern tribes of, of, of the people of Israel. The northern kingdom, when the Bible speaks in this scripture, it speaks that they went to Ephraim and Manasseh. The northern kingdom was not his kingdom. The northern kingdom was a mess. Hosea, I believe, was the last king, if I remember correctly. He may have still been around, but I think he may have been gone too. And, and they had been scattered. It wasn't even really a kingdom anymore. It had been taken over by been taken over by the Assyrians. People including, I believe it was Jeremiah had went to Egypt. A lot of different things. It was just a mess. And he didn't have any authority over Israel. He didn't have any authority over the northern kingdom. But he decided to do some outreach. As a guy thought, maybe there's somebody up there that's hungry for God. And he began to send messengers. He, he got his outreach director together. He said, give some tracks out. Here's these tracks. I want you to go into all of Judea. All of Judah. I want you to go into all of Judah. I want you to go to every town. I want you to go to every village. Stop out the, off, at, off at the farms. Knock on the door and say, hey, we're from the king. And then when they would walk into the villages, they would take the post. Y'all ever seen those? <laughs> hear ye, hear ye. Y'all seen that? Seen some show or comic? Hear ye, hear ye. And they begin to read this. Ye children of Israel. And, and they didn't just go to Judah. They went to Israel. The Bible says they went to Manasseh and Ephraim and Zebulun and Asher, all these places, and said, Ye children of Israel, turn again unto the Lord, God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, and he will return to the remnant of you that are escaped, and he will, that ye that are escaped out of the hand of the kings 
of Israel. In other words, the remnant that was there was talking to them. Now, you need to recall something. When Jeroboam had taken over, when Jeroboam had taken over hundreds of years before, and he had become the king of the northern kingdom, he did not want the people of Israel going to Jerusalem because he felt that he would lose their loyalty if they went to the temple. And he put in Bethel and one other town, he put golden calves in two parts of, of the northern kingdom. And he said, these be your gods, worship them. And so here was the northern kingdom, 10 tribes uh, that had worshiped every kind of idol. They were not familiar anymore. Oh, they heard about it. A few of them undoubtedly did it, but they were not familiar anymore with the feast uh, and, and all of that of, of the God of Israel. They had been worshiping idols, uh, and they had forgotten what real worship was. Uh, and now they were being invited to church, uh, to a real church. Uh, and they said, hear ye, ye children of Israel, turn again unto the Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel. He'll return to the remnant of you that are escaped out of the hand of the kings of Assyria. And be not ye like your fathers and your brethren, which trespassed against the Lord God of their fathers, who therefore gave them up to desolation, as you see. Be ye not stiff-necked uh, as your fathers were, but yield yourselves uh, unto the Lord uh, and come to church. Uh, enter into a sanctuary with he had sanctified forever and serve the Lord uh, your God that the fierceness uh, of his wrath uh, may turn uh, away from you. Uh, for if ye turn again unto the Lord, your brethren and your children shall find compassion before them that lead them captive, so they shall come again unto this land. For the Lord your God is gracious and merciful and will not turn away his face, face from you if you return unto him. And what Hezekiah was telling them, if you will come to church, if you'll come to the temple, if you'll worship the Lord, I know everything's went south for y'all, but God will bring you back. God will restore you. God will take care of you. And he sent that out all over Ephraim, Manasseh, Asher, and Zebulun and said, come on, the doors of the church are open. There's the God of Israel is still alive. Let's Come and worship. Well, as usual, there were different reactions to that. The Bible says, so the post, that's the messengers, passed from city to city. Hear ye, hear ye. To the country of Ephraim and Manasseh, even at Zebulun. But they laughed them to scorn and mocked them. They laughed them to scorn. What you had was a bunch of people that were bitter. Everything that could possibly go wrong had went wrong. They had went through a succession of kings who had been tyrants and despots. And now they were under the thumb of a wicked, wicked man, a wicked despot. 
and the, the king of Assyria. Can't remember his name, is a weird name. The third. Uh, he was the third, I remember that. Tithgrath, Pesgah, or something. And uh, he, uh, they were under the thumb of this man. And everything had went wrong. It's funny. The reactions of people when presented with an opportunity to do right. There's usually a wide range of reactions. You'll find whenever Paul preached on Mars Hill, there were those that mocked. There were those that said, well, we'll hear later. And then there, was, there were those that claved to him. In other words, there were those that make fun of him, and some of them said, well, let's talk about it a little bit more later. And there was a bunch that said, we want to know more. We're ready to turn our life to Jesus. And so you have this, this range of reaction, and some of them, they, they were beat down. They had been filled with all of the garbage of the, earth, of the, of, of the northern kingdom and of idolatry, and they had been, they had, they, there was no hope in them. But instead of reaching for hope, they mocked and they scorned. Have you ever been on the street talking to people about the Lord and there's people, they're so messed up, they don't know which way is up and they're like, I don't want any of your stuff. Like, buddy, what I got. <laughs> there was an old t radio evangelist years ago and he was full of baloney, but he did have a line that was pretty good. He said, you can't lose with the stuff I use. It's a pretty good line. You could lose with the stuff he used, but it was still a pretty good line. But they're like, hey, buddy, you can't lose with the stuff I use. We got something good for you. Ah, oh, we don't want any of it. And we like our perversity and our illicit actions and the way we live. We like that. Don't tell me what to do. I don't want to hear from you. But the CJ's like, well, you know, I used to be this. I don't care what you used to be. Hey man, I come from a kingdom where we were messed up as you under King Ahaz. I don't care. Look what's happening now. We're changed. I don't care. You've seen those people. It takes an act of God to move them, and God does sometimes. But they love their vile, perverse life practices, their immoral worship, and their illicit lifestyles, and hated the true God of Israel. I've known people that say, I don't believe in God. I hate him. How can you hate him if you don't believe in God? I've got a brother that has said, I don't believe in God, but if he does exist, he can blankety-blank blank. God have mercy on his soul. I love him, but I don't know he's not in a good place. And that's what these people were. But there were some. In the next verse, it says, nevertheless, divers are different people, a lot of people of Asher and Manasseh and of Zebulun humbled themselves, came to Jerusalem. I'm trying to imagine the reaction, the feeling of these people, their neighbors screaming imprecations at the messenger. They see him walk to that guy's door and say, hey, buddy, I got a track for you. There's really hope in this world. There's an opportunity for you to turn. 
Come to Jerusalem. Come to church. We got a Passover. We have a dinner. I don't know even if you even know what it is, but, but I'm sure you've heard of it. We're going to do the Passover. We're going to celebrate deliverance. We're going to celebrate the power of God. And the guy gets, get out of my face. I don't want to see you. I don't want to talk to you. I don't want to hear your garbage. Blankety, blank, 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 blank. Get out of here. And the guy goes, okay. And he walks to the next door. He knocks on the door. And he opens the door. He says, hey, I've got this track. And the guy says, come on in, buddy. Let me pack my bags. I need something from God. I've told the story a hundred times, but Sister Tinny's mom, before they came to the Lord, they 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 walked, they lived, they traveled different places. Uh, Brother uh, uh, Sister Tinny's dad, they moved into a town they had never been to, uh, and they never lived before. Uh, he went to work every morning. Uh, she would get up and fix him breakfast. Uh, he would go to work. She would walk to the window where uh, uh, of the kitchen window and begin to wash the dishes uh, and the window looked out on the street uh, and there was a sidewalk that went out in the front of the of the house uh, and every morning she would step uh, to that window and begin to wash the dishes and every morning uh, an apostolic lady uh, would walk by uh, the house uh, she would have uh, her bible uh, under her arm uh, and she would walk uh, toward uh, somewhere over there and that woman Sister Tinny's mom would look at her with a hunger in her heart. I need something. And one day that woman, under the direction, that apostolic lady, under the direction of the Holy Ghost, as she walked past Sister Tinny's mom's house, she suddenly turned, walked up the walk to the door and knocked on the door. Sister Tinny's mom opened the door and the lady said, I'm on my way to women's prayer meeting would you like to come and she grabbed her coat and she headed to the church and was filled with the Holy Ghost that day and that's the power that's what happened when these people said you want to come to Passover you want to come to the temple just let me get my coat I'm on my way Oh, God, I've lived under the burden of sin long enough. I need you, God. Hallelujah. Nothing had worked for them. Nothing had worked for them. The lifestyle they had lived, the worship they had lived, had failed them. And here was the answer they were looking for. And they humbled themselves came to Jerusalem. I'm trying to move on, folks. It's crazy what happens when the garbage is thrown out. And a heart is humbled before God. It's interesting what will happen whenever things, when a preparation is made for Jesus. There's a prophecy concerning John the Baptist. And it says this. The voice of him that crieth in the wilderness, prepare ye the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be exalted. And every mountain and hill shall be made low. 
and the crooked shall be made straight and the rough places plain. What it was talking about was John the Baptist coming and preparing the way for Jesus to come. The valleys shall be exalted. The hills shall be made low. The crooked shall be made straight. And the rough shall be made plain. He came as a road builder. He prepared the way for the Lord to come. And these people began to build a road in their life. And it led straight to their hearts. The Bible says when he did that, and the glory of the Lord shall be revealed. And the glory of the Lord shall be revealed. What happens when you prepare your heart for God? The glory of the Lord shall be revealed. And they came to, to Jerusalem. I read this in the beginning. But they said there were many in the congregation that were not sanctified. It said for a multitude of the people, many of Ephraim and Manasseh, Issachar and Zebulun, had not cleansed themselves. Here's what happened. These people came to the temple and they didn't even know what to do. They didn't even know how to do it. I've watched folks judge people who walk into the church. I've watched folks judge people who walk in and they're a mess. I don't know if you've ever looked at somebody and thought to yourself, God can't do anything for that one. They've come off the street. They're too far gone. They smell bad. They look bad. They act bad. And they're just full of sin. And in a small town like this, I know what they are. There ain't no way God's going to do anything for them. And we judge them. I'm glad I'm not God. I'm glad you're not God. I'm glad that God is God. Because not a single one of us would have a chance in heaven if we were in the judgment seat. But Jesus is God. And the Bible says, for God so loved the world. And not cleanse himself, but they had to pass over anyway. Other than it was written the way they did it, the way you weren't supposed to do it. What is wrong with these people? Oh God, I need something from the Lord. Sometimes even me as a pastor don't I don't know what to do. I've come to God before and I'm like, God, I don't even know which way is up and I don't even know where I'm going. I don't even know what I'm doing. But God, I need you. I'll do what I need to do. I need you, God. Something's got to happen when they humbled their hearts and prepared themselves. Hezekiah was a good king. He looked out there, he thought, we got a problem. 
These people are not sanctified. They're not purified. They're not doing right. But he began to pray, the good Lord, pardon everyone. That prepareth. Here was the thing, and this makes a huge difference. They weren't purified. They weren't sanctified. They didn't look right. They didn't always act right. They didn't know the protocol. They didn't know all the Pentecostal catechisms. They didn't understand all the, the jingoisms and the things of being apostolic. They had no idea of all of that stuff. All they knew is they were hungry for God and it prepared their heart to seek God. I'm here to tell you right now, if there's a hunger in your heart for God and you are seeking him, it don't matter what you are or who you are or where you've been or what you've done. God loves you. I feel the power of the Holy Ghost here. I got more to preach, but I want you to stand right now. I want you to stand right now. If there's somebody here hungry for God, hungry for a touch of God, I want you to begin to make your way. You can be part of the church or not part of the church. Just begin to make your way to the front and say, God, I'm preparing my heart to seek you. Oh, Jesus. Jesus, Jesus. Why don't we begin to move our way up here? Begin to seek God. Reach out to somebody that is near you. Begin to pray with them, for them. They for you. But let God begin to deal with you and touch your heart right now. Oh, Jesus. Jesus, Jesus. Come on, let's let the Lord move right now. Let's let the Lord move right now. Oh God, we need you, Lord. We have come. We're hungry for you. We're humbled before you. Our hearts hunger for you. We're prepared to seek your, your face. Let God begin to move on you right now.